0: I think this motivation uh, is very important in the beginning when you're doing recruiting. And it's also very important after they join your team. Because the motivation could change and the motivation could vanish if you don't <laughs> nurture it good enough. So that's why when, when I'm managing my engineers, like we constantly kind of health check this again. So, okay, so why do you want to do work here? And what are the things that you want to learn? And what's the best thing you like in working this company? What's the things that you like the least working this company? So trying to figure out to be more um, empathetic about what they want to do. This is the the key to making them work longer. This is Startup Island Taiwan. Everything about Taiwan and cutting-edge
1: technology, startup unicorns, and connections to the world. Welcome to the Startup Island Taiwan podcast. My name is John with the Asian Armature YouTube channel. I'm your guest host today. And I'm here today with Jocelyn Ho, KUBI CTO and co-founder. Jocelyn, welcome to the show.
0: Thank you. Thank you, John. It's really nice to being here.
1: I'm really excited. Uh took Two years to do this conversation.
0: I know. We first met in the Meet, meet Taipei Taipei two years ago. I think it's in November, so exactly two years ago.
1: Yeah. And then we met again at Meet Greater Sun. I actually walked by your building sometime, and I was like, I remember, I keep thinking, oh, Kubi, we should do a podcast with them. It's
0: never too late. <laughs> I know, right?
1: So I'm really excited to share this story with um, our listeners. Can you tell me a little bit about your startup journey, kind of your... Um, experience coming here to this position.
0: Yeah. So, um, we founded Kubi, Win and I, my co-founder, we founded Kubi in 2020 and Kubi is focusing on, um, helping salespeople to make their conversations on WhatsApp a lot better. Cause we know that like these days, people use instant messages like WhatsApp or in Taiwan, they use line to do their communications a lot more than emails, but there isn't a good tools or even And any software is like helping them to manage and control and make it organize their chats and and messages. So that's why we're trying to uh, chime in to help. So yeah, so we are a, a sales, basically a sales solution helping people to communicate better on WhatsApp. So, um, before we founded this company, uh, I was in Facebook. It's called Meta right now. It's Facebook Meta slash Instagram. So I've been there for five and a half years. So, uh, I was always on the tech side. So uh, I was an engineer and a senior engineer and then grew to be a tech lead. Um, uh, my last project in Instagram, it's, uh, IGTV ads. Well, it never get launched, so you guys probably haven't <laughs> seen it. But that's the biggest project I led in Instagram, basically. Yeah, and before that, working, I was working on story ads, which is still live, which is probably very annoying for people who use stories a lot. That's how we make money, so bear with it. <laughs> yeah, so uh, I was on um, the tech side working on ads. And and yeah, and before uh, joining Facebook, I was at Stanford doing my master's degree. So uh, I hold a degree in double E, but I majored in CS. Um, and before that, I was at uh, Taitan for my bachelor's degree.
1: So what was kind of the inspiration? Because, you know, Facebook, nice job, all that, five years, tech lead. Like, What inspired you to kind of make this leap, I guess, to create KUBI?
0: Yeah, great questions. So I think it's the time when you feel like your learning curves kind of staggered and you feel like you have learned a lot of things in, in this one corporate, but you kind of can't predict like if you stay there for another five years, what will you be and what kind of skills that you're going to learn. And I think that's not exciting enough for me at that time. So I feel like, okay, if I want to, you know, I want to learn faster, I want to be more uncomfortable what, what choices I could make. So actually at that time, I've also uh, interviewed a bunch of different company. I actually get two offers. Uh, one is in a hundred people size company and another one is a 10 people size company. And of course, another option is to, you know, do a two people company with my co-founder, <laughs> which is, is the choice that I make at that time. So, um, the biggest reason for me at that time is because I want to try something new and I want to push myself to the limit to see like what I can do. And also it's because at that time, I kind of reconnect with my co-founder when uh, we we met each other in college, um, uh, but we were not very close or, or worked together before. But uh, we reconnect in a disrupt SF. basically, it's a startup event. And we kind of start talking about startups and feel like, oh okay, our skill sets, pretty much, because I'm an engineer and he was a PM at that time. And a PM plus an engineer from Facebook, that's like, a, you know, ideal <laughs> recipe for a startup. And we try to to do side project for a while. And it turns out, well, we are very committed, we will never, you know, give up. So we decided to say, okay, maybe it's time for me to, you know, to take that leap and jump into the startup world.
1: So Kubi started off as a side project.
0: Yes, yes, we did the side project for almost a year. That was when COVID happened. So, you know, people have more flexibility in working. <laughs> so yeah, so we take leverage about that. So we run it as a side project for a while.
1: What was the side project's vision? Like, did it start out right from the beginning as like a WhatsApp thing?
0: Uh, no, we were first working online because, you know, we, were, we are more familiar with line as you know, Taiwanese people, I think the penetration rate is like 98% or something like that uh, for line. So we started from line and that's easier for us to communicate with our customers or potential customers. Cause you know, we have connections. We have, uh, I think at that time we talked to a lot of insurance agents, um, who use line to, you know, manage their relationship uh, a lot. And we talked to like kind of bank consultant. So we first built the prototype online and. After we built that, we we kind of let them to use it to help us to use the prototype to give us some feedback. So first off, we were uh, working online, and actually, uh, after we start the company, we are still working on that product, which is the line product, and it was uh an app because you know insurance agents they don't use laptop at all; they always on their phone. So we we built an iOS app at that time. It's not until I think sixth month ish, uh, we kind of pivot into the WhatsApp area. Um, because we didn't see that the line solution is big enough for us to you know keep pursuing and the pain point is still not it, there is some pain point but it's not pain enough basically that's why we kind of at that time we decided okay maybe we should we should try uh more stuff that's why we started to build on whatsapp version uh the concept is actually very similar but it's more it's on whatsapp and because WhatsApp it has a bigger market because, you know, in Europe and Southeast Asia and South America, they're all using WhatsApp. I think in Brazil, the penetration rate is also like 95 plus something. So that's when we pivot to WhatsApp.
1: So when you were getting this side project spun up and starting over on a brand new platform, right, I don't know what traction you must have had with the line product, but... With WhatsApp you were starting from I guess zero. So how did you how did Kubi grow during those old days? Like how did you kind of get started? Like you mentioned it was during the pandemic, right?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so we didn't like decided to you know pivot so we, we do all and pivot the entire company we actually started the whatsapp project as a side project again <laughs> so because you know the majority of the teams still working on it. we have roadmap for the line product we have uh, plans we know what we want to solve for our customers but in the meantime we we don't want to you know lock ourselves too early so that's why we started the whatsapp we actually hired a contractor at that time so to build up this project it's just like kind of a prototype kind of thing. Um And we're very lucky because after that prototype being built and we kind of debuted, it, throw it onto the Chrome Web Store, we got featured by a YouTuber in India. And we don't even know who he is. And we try to connect him. He never responds to our email. <laughs> <laughs> so we still don't know who he is until this day. But he's he's definitely helps out a lot in the early days because he kind of, um, you know, help us to do this distribution. And we receive a lot of positive feedback, which is something that we never receive when we're building a line app. When we were building a line app, the re- response is like, oh, it's cool. Yeah, I'll try. It will help. But for when we you know, launched that WhatsApp version and they're like, oh, you're a lifesaver. We need this for so long. I'm a WhatsApp message box. It's it's crazy. It's insane. Like, Thank you so much for helping us building this. Yeah, so so we can tell like the the response is very different from these two products. That's why uh I think we use a month to kinda do the entire pivot, like to plan out the roadmap, what we're gonna do, and then pivot the entire team. It wasn't a big team, but still like, you know, six, seven people. We need to tell people like where we're going and why we are, you know, giving up on what we were built before and then moving onto this path.
1: Okay, so it was blew up as a Google Chrome extension, right? Yes. Is it more than a Chrome extension now, or is it still based on the Chrome extension?
0: So it's still based on the Chrome extension, but right now we have uh, developed a lot more features and and value props other than the extension part. For example, we're helping our customers to uh, link their WhatsApp message to their CRMs. So, you know, in CRMs is where you should supposed to store all your customers' information, but there's no way for you to put in your WhatsApp messages into CRM. It's not like an officially built kind of channel for you to do that, but uh, versus emails, like basically, if you use your company domain to send out emails and if you're linked to your CRM, all emails are tracked. So it's easy for the company to know what's happening. And if you, your sales team like kind of leaves the company, they still have all the conversations and all the you know context of the customers. So we are trying to help company to make sure that WhatsApp messages is also followed under this entire CRM systems.
1: Got it. So early on, what were some of the major challenges that you and the Kubi team had, maybe technically, maybe organizationally, as you kind of scale? You mentioned your team. At the very start was seven people, right? Mm-hmm. How would those challenges overcome?
0: So I think the biggest challenge for building a startup in Taiwan is definitely recruiting. Because you know, we we are lucky enough to have investors, you know, investing in us early days, but we are still like not rich. So it's impossible for us to give up a really, you know, high package salary, you know, comparing to TSMC or uh, I don't know, other big companies. And that time we are not known basically no one knows who we are and what we are building. And we are working on a project that no one in Taiwan has used before because no one used WhatsApp. So I think the recruiting part is pretty hard, uh, especially in the beginning. So we have to spend a lot of time trying to convince. For me, it's uh, engineers because I'm responsible for, you know, recruit all the engineers. Um, Yeah, we have a period of time um, I think that was in twenty twenty one or late twenty twenty one or twenty twenty-two. We have to fight for people with blockchain companies. <laughs> <laughs> That's the worst battle I've <laughs> you know. Yeah. Um and, and you know, their package is very, very good. So at that time our recruiting progress is very slow. But we're very lucky enough to still like, you know, hire someone who trusts in us and join a company. And that's on the engineering side, at least that, like, you know, we have an engineering pool in Taiwan and what my job is to convince them, which is hard as well. But on the market side, on the sales and marketing team side, that's even harder because in Taiwan, there aren't a lot of you know, international experiences, marketer or sales and who have to be very fluent in English and have experience selling to Europe, selling to Southeast Asia. There are, but it's not very common. So we struggled a while for um, recruiting. We actually even tried recruiting in outside of Taiwan, which is still remote. But it doesn't turn out well because, you know, the distance and the time difference makes everything harder. So outside recruiting and trying to find people to join us, it's very hard.
1: When did you make that decision to move back to Taiwan, right? Like, why didn't you build this uh, little company in the States.
0: For the business reason is because we are working on instant message topic and instant message is not very common in the States, especially for business conversations. Most of the business conversation still happens on email. And that's very obvious because when we pitch to like pure US investors, they're like, what problem you're solving? I never, you know, use my iMessage to send message to my portfolio mm-hmm. that they, they don't see this as a pain point. But when we were, you know, pitching to a Europe VC or a Southeast Asia VC, they're like, Oh, yes, please help me. I'm my WhatsApp is a mess. So yeah, the topic that we are trying to solve is not very common. It's not a problem in the US. So that's why we, we think, um, moving back to Asia and closer to our customers will help us build this product a lot better. And my personal reason is also because my family is still in Taiwan and, you know, my parents are getting older and I just want to spend more time with them. Um, so that's my kind of personal reason. And when my co-founder has similar personal reason, like family reasons, so that's why we we choose Taiwan to start up.
1: Um, what are your thoughts about, like, using this? You mentioned WhatsApp as a mess a couple of times. Like, what's kind of your thoughts about building this product could be on top of another platform, right? Like, is it a worry How do you deal with the worries? Like, what's that sort of
0: concern there? The biggest concern, I think it's obvious, like WhatsApp hold the platform. If they want to kill us, we will be killed because we don't have our own platform. But that's also our advantages because there is a customer base on WhatsApp already. And what we need to do is just, just to try to find people who are in this kind of scenario. We don't have to teach them how to use WhatsApp. Because they are already there, um, and so that's also our advantages to not having to teach our, our customers a lot. Um, but the risk is definitely like being shut down. And the reason that even though from the beginning we know that there is a risk of being shutting down, but we still want to pursue on this route is because when we're still in Facebook and we talk to some of our uh, colleagues in WhatsApp, and we feel like they are more focusing on the advertising part and they are more focusing on how could they make money, make revenue. And the money is mostly all in the e-commerce stage. So, we kind of feel like the risk is there, but it's not high enough. Because what we're trying to build is basically helping them to nurture the entire business on WhatsApp. And it's also not conflict with what they want to go, the e-commerce and the advertising um, battlefield. So that's why we feel like it's not directly conflicting with their interest. So we still choose to, you know, to try and, and pick on that route.
1: Have you thought about like diversification? Like you mentioned the other line app, but there's other messengers too around the world, right?
0: Yeah, Uh we thought about that. But building an entire, you know, tech stack and think of, even though the problem could be similar, but building entire tech stack and distributing a new product, I think at this stage is too early for us because we are a small team. We still only have like 12 people right now. So building on WhatsApp is already using mo- all of our resources. So if we want to, maybe in the future, we can, we will, you know, hire more people to focus on other messaging apps. Because we actually receive a lot of requests from other customers saying, Hey, can you build this on Telegram? Hey, can you build this on Instagram? I also message a lot on Instagram, but my no one helps me on that. So we heard this kind of feedback. So maybe in the future we'll we'll do it.
1: How do you organize your company? Like how is the org chart and like how does that set up?
0: I'm more focusing on the product and engineering side. So we have four, five ish engineers and a PM. Um, And also one designer, product designer. And Wen is more on the sales and marketing side. So uh, he has one marketer, one visual designer, um, and some contractors helping them on that. So interesting part is we don't have sales our only sales is when because people always tell that founders need to sell your own stuff so right now we're still at that stage but we're looking for you know hiring more sales in the near future so if anyone are interested we can talk and for me um, I'm still coding a lot on and we're focusing on back-end stuff um, so I do have two full stack engineers working with me and I have two front-end engineers working on the front-end part because our majority of features is still a Chrome extension so we rely very uh, heavily on the front-end skills to to, you know build that extension and working with whatsapp web
1: how do you um run on a daily basis, like sort of like a weekly stand-up versus simple kind of just uh, everyone has to kind of do remote check-ins like kind of interested in how that is run
0: so we do a two-week sprint system because you know for a company size like us you can't do a too long sprint you just need to iterate faster so we do a two-week sprint and uh before the spring starts, like everyone will sit together. We actually call it, we name it as a one team process. <laughs> so <laughs> we want everyone literate, be in a room to decide on what we want to do next. Of course, like when we'll do the final decision, because you still need one people to, you know, to lock on the spreadsheet. But before that, everyone is welcome to pitch any idea. You just need to, uh, to elaborate what you think, uh, what you want to do and why you think that's important, what goal you want to go for with this project. So we believe that as a 10-people startup, everyone should be, you know, thinking about the, the company's future. It's not like a corporate, like, for example, when I was in Facebook, like, all the decisions, mostly, is coming from up. <laughs> and you don't have much of the say to say no to at all the requests, if, especially if it's from coming from like upper level. But in the startup, it's not working like that. The reason that people want to join startup is because they want to have the freedom. They want to have to the say, they want to know that they can influence the company and they can help shaping the company as well.
1: So when there's a tough decision, maybe two different features that kind of pitch against each other, you're not quite sure. What are some of the first principles that you go back, like the base principles that you go back that like help you decide one over the other?
0: Ah, oh, so you're talking about like conflict when conflict happens? Like
1: philosophy, like, not like conflict. It's just like, oh, resources are limited. There's a lot of stuff to build. Like what helps you decide like, okay, this is a tough decision, but we're going to go with this one over this other one.
0: I see. So I think when it comes to this kind of decisions, choices, what's most important is division. It doesn't have to be like, you know, five years vision for this particular questions, but at least like the year long vision or like a six months, half year vision. For example, like um in H2, like 2023 H2, we spent two weeks into uh H2 planning. So we, me, Wen and our, uh, some others, head of product, we started to put together a plan to say, okay, okay, so for this next six months, where do you want to go? And we think about a lot of different possibilities. And then we narrow down onto Hopspot uh, integrations, which is like trying to make sure that the messages can sync well with Hopspot uh, CRM. And once that vision and that goal is there, all the rest of the decisions makes it easier. Cause when there's other like, you know, customers complaining about, Hey, um, can you fix this bug for me for on, on Salesforce? Or can you fix this bug for me on? Some previous uh, features that we have developed. This prioritization makes it a lot easier because we know that okay, is this aligned with the goal that we want to do for H two? No, okay, then that should be a little bit like lower in the list. But if we do have like you know, extra resources, we would still take it. But like prioritizing the features and or the the projects that's more aligned with the H two visions that makes the entire team um clear and actually closer to each other because they're. There isn't a lot of fight anymore because everyone knows where we're going, and the reason that we don't pick your idea but pick my idea is because mine is more aligned with the direction. It's not because it's my idea, not your idea.
1: Right now, that's very cool. Um, What is your vision for Kubin like longer term? Like, where are you driving this company
0: towards? Yeah. So our vision is to help sales teams to perform better basically so we started out from whatsapp uh just because we think this angle is easier to getting but in the in the long term vision we want to solve like in every different aspects for example our sales will not just use whatsapp they will probably make phone calls probably still still reply to some emails they'll probably do different messaging apps so we want to make that ecosystem to be more sales friendly and to help sales to you know boost their their revenue boost their productivity and, and things like that so basically um helping the sales team but not only sales team probably customer facing teams because we also help like customer support teams to um to to boost their productivity and to help them to manage their work as well so we want to make sure that they have the tools and we can empower them to do a lot more things
1: uh you have some investors in the US right like what advice and tips would you give to other Taiwanese entrepreneurs like interfacing with them working with them managing them um investors overseas cuz I think that's something that's kind of unique in in the Taiwan startup, like ecosystem that you have overseas investors.
0: Yeah, because we talk to U.S. investors and we also talk to Taiwanese investors. And we do find things very different for the two kind of investors. Um, The U.S. investors, they want you to be very um, concise. For example, they will give you a spreadsheet and say, fill out this sheet before coming to the meeting. Cause, you know, if you talk, if you tell me, oh, we are growing 10%, we are growing, uh, we, we have this kind of, um, the customers, uh, it's not as concise as, you know, having this spreadsheet and with numbers beforehand so they can go through it. And they, they just want to have that context beforehand. And you can, in that meeting, you can still tell me about like, uh, what customers you have recently, uh, talked with and, and where you're going to go. But like this kind of, matrix focus, uh, context is something that I think it's essential and required. So we were, uh, we were in the search program, which is the, uh, seed round, uh, program that Sequoia India, they now renamed to peak, but it's Sequoia India at that time. Um, they, they put together. And in that search program, they spend like a week or two weeks just teaching us how to put together that spreadsheet. That's how important it is. Cause they just want to know that, okay, in your investor updates or before the meetings that we have every week, you should put together that sheets. And then that should have all very, you know, complicated metrics. Um, cause that's the only way that they can see. Basically, it's like a health check. They want you to put this health check every month so that they can know about the context about what's happening in the company. So we work more with a U.S. company. Maybe in some Taiwanese investors will also require this, but at least the investors that we talk to doesn't have this kind of requirement.
1: So like Taiwanese investors, are they more focused on the relationship? Are they more focused on like the meeting part? Like what do you think is kind of their sort of, their differences?
0: I think they value their relationship more and they will try to tackle, they'll also try to help you, but they will probably tackle from relationship kind of angle or they will try to share a lot of their experience and start to help you to see okay in which way and say, okay, I have seen this like in the past and some investors or some other portfolios have done this and they will try to use that to help you. Um it's also really good because you know any kind of help is good. But I just think the, the approach they're taking is a little bit different. But to be to be frank, we we didn't have a lot of in Taiwanese uh venture like investing in us. So my opinion could be biased too the U.S. part because we are more closer to the U.S. investors.
1: You mentioned a little bit about some of the challenges of kind of recruiting Taiwanese engineers. How have you been managing to overcome, I guess, their reluctance of working with a small company they never heard of? Because in the U.S., right, it's pretty common. A lot of them like to go to startups to just try their hand. Maybe they want to do something different. But like in Taiwan, maybe that's a little more difficult.
0: Mm, I think the most important thing is motivation you just have to figure out what's their motivation if their motivation is coming from salary then that's a very early signal you can get that it's probably a no because you are not the company who can pay the most to them but if their motivation we do have one very great back end engineers his motivation is he want to join a really small size startup so that he can build a lot of things that he has just read on books he just want to have some you know hands on experience because he was just you know looking into a lot of uh, thesis, but he never put it into uh, into practice. So that's a great fit for us because we need someone who wants to do hands-on work, who wants to build up entire system of their own. So that motivation aligns pretty well. So we recruit him like pretty easily. So I think this motivation uh, is very important in the beginning when you're doing recruiting. And it's also very important after they join your team the motivation could change and the motivation could vanish if you don't <laughs> nurture it good enough so that's why we, when i'm managing my engineers like we constantly kind of health check this again so okay so what do you want to still work here and what are the things that you want to learn and what's the best thing you like in working this company what's the things that you like the least working this company so trying to figure out to be more um empathetic about what they want to do this is the the key to making them work longer
1: do you find that you have to do a lot more like development early on? Like maybe you can get more, as it's easier to develop people who are less molded, like maybe students right out of college, or do you prefer to kind of look for people who already experience and working at companies?
0: I think we need to have both. Definitely need to have someone who is willing to do hands on work. Uh, I think in this stage, like we still prefer like people who like to do hands on work, but sometimes people with experience incorporate they can also give us a clear direction on where we want to go. I'm coming from a corporate company, but in Facebook, Facebook is way too big. So I don't actually have any decision power onto the infra or like what are the database we're choosing or all the trade-offs because there is maybe a hundred people who is helping you to make this that one decision. So I personally doesn't have this kind of experiences. So in startup, I have to make a lot of this kind of decisions. So having someone experienced Uh, who can talk to me, who can, you know, brainstorm with me, who can fight with me. That's actually a good thing because that's how we can make sure that we can come up with a a good enough or, or better decisions. Because, you know, if me, it's only me thinking on paper and trying to Google on search, well, we have chat GPT this day. So, <laughs> <laughs> so at least I have someone to, you know, debate with me. <laughs> but if having an experience, more experienced engineers, that would be very helpful.
1: What's your evaluation and feeling of the Taiwan startup ecosystem right now?
0: I think it's getting really good or getting better comparing to like a couple years ago. So, um. One of the reasons that I want to work on the startup world is because when I was in college, I actually interned at Who's Call. At that time, they are, I think they only have 10, 15-ish people. They are in a very small, shitty office and I was an intern there. That's in t- 2013. But I really like that atmosphere. So um, that's one of the motivation that I wanted to work in startup. But at that time, I also kind of work closely with the founders of Who's Call and I can hear them saying that Taiwanese entrepreneurship, it's not as common at that time but recently i think now in 2023 10 years later i think startups in taiwan especially a lot of great startups has, has already been ipo or beyond stock exchange um more and more success story will give back the confidence into the entrepreneurship like circle cuz the investors are more confident in giving money i think this is why now we're seeing that us investors is more willing to take on the risk is because they have seen like successful or they are sometimes they they have been successful before. So they have enough money to do that. So I think right now in Taiwanese environment, it's getting there. Like we have one or two, it's not, not a lot, but say for example, like APR is in in Japan and yeah, Google looks in, in Taiwan, but at least there are some successful stories. So we have proven that we can also do this. It's not like give me money and it's just throwing the water. No, you will get something in return and they will have more resources to help the next generation of startups. So I think this kind of cycle, positive cycle is getting built. So that's what I think it's a lot better than what we have.
1: Yeah, no, I think this is going to be really exciting. Um. Yeah, when I first came here a couple of years ago, it was pretty much nothing. So now it's it's definitely improved. Um, where do you see uh Coopy going over the next few years, like product wise or even direction wise, like even size wise, like take it wherever you want it?
0: So um direction-wise, in the beginning we talked about Chrome extension, we are still relying on Chrome extension, but we really want to get rid of that. So we are trying to find ways to, you know, to help people to still manage their WhatsApp without having to rely on this Chrome extension. So, I think once that thing is unlocked, we have a lot more possibility of building our own product and you know help ourselves in a lot more different ways. Um, yeah, in terms of sizing, um, I think maybe I don't know i we haven't actually heard anything up, but I think twenty thirty in a year or two that's that's a common common phase. and uh right now we're we're on a seed extension round. So I think we are aiming to get to the series A round in a year or two. So it's a
1: big milestone.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We need to, you know, M higher. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. So after the series A, we will try our best to reach our series A. And then after series A, I think the expansion will be even more faster.
1: And then I guess final thing. Um, is there anything you would like other potential startup founders in Taiwan or abroad? Anything you want them to know?
0: I think um you have to know that startup journey is very, very difficult. (laughs) And it's 100% more difficult than you think it could be. (laughs) So just be prepared for that. And just always remember why you want to do the startup because it's very, very easy to give up in any ways because you will have to deal with a lot of shit. (laughs) A lot. (laughs) But, you know, trusting yourself and... Remember why you want to do that. Remember your motivation, and that's the only solution is to you know to to overcome all those difficulties. Very encouraging.
1: Yeah, <laughs> I hope you still want to start. I hope like,
0: oh. I hope I didn't I didn't discourage anyone.
1: Jocelyn, thank you so much for coming onto the show. Thank really so appreciate much.
0: it. <laughs> thank you, John, for having me. <laughs>